I, I, I maybe I did play it just a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative in your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> Welcome back to 88.3 WGTs after further review. David, the man of God, Harris is on the phone line. Just got done talking to Frank Vashner. Is that your birthday today, David, or was it a few days ago? Sure. It's past Wednesday. Past Wednesday. David, you're 29, right? Yep. 29 years old. So next year he'll be, be he'll be the big 3-0. I guess so you were born in 1990, huh? Yep, 1990. So were you the class of 2009 or 2008? Oh wait. Okay. Cool. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, so basically, you graduated at seventeen. Yeah, young, young, and walked on the UT's campus, seventeen-year-old, bright-eyed, to know where I was going, and then. And now you're a pastor, you're... pastor of your own church. Yep, pastor of church. Did some radio things, met some people. Hung out, Kava, late night in Park Tower, you know, this whole college experience. Yeah, that is true. That that is and a lot of college students are going through that uh as we speak right now as uh it is homecoming weekend as Western Michigan uh will play the Rockets at uh the Glass Bowl. Last weekend though they got a uh, a win against BYU on a last second touchdown. Yeah, and it was a really interesting game because coming into it and thanks I was listening to the BYU portion of the broadcast last weekend, but it seemed as though kind of the Rockets preached balance and promoted balance, and it really was kind of a balanced game for the Rockets, and really all all facets of the game for Toledo, you know, we had solid running game, and I think coming into it, there were a lot of questions, at least I had a lot of questions about our quarterback play, and I think Michael kind of was able to get some of those kinks out from the week before, you're never sure, kind of bringing a B. And BYU is not a like an unfamiliar opponent. We've kind of played them here or there throughout, you know, last decade or two. So there's some familiarity. But coming into this game, a lot of questions were: Chances defense stop this this kind of high-powered, in a sense, BYU offense, and then present something that the Rockets really hadn't seen a lot in terms of offensively and then defensively. And so it was. It was one of those games where going in was kind of a coin flip, knowing that both teams kind of have a somewhat propensity to kind of take a little bit of time to get going, and we saw that last week at BYU as well. So maybe kind of this weekend against Western Michigan, we're able to be a little bit more productive or at least get some kind of points out of our first possession just so we can set the rhythm and set the tempo. But I do think the Rockets, if this was, this was a good win for us heading into conference play because now we see that teams are aware of our running back situation. They're aware of Kobach. Like they are, and then kind of with Michael being a dual threat quarterback, like they know that it's going to be run first, run second, and then, you know, being able to throw the ball here or there just to spread the offense out. But I think 
it'll be an interesting match because especially seeing Western up here against Syracuse, kind of they can score points and draws, and they can really flip the game. I don't know, you know, special teams play or a big breakaway run. So, yeah, I think BYU is a good proving test for us to really show and exhibit our balance on both sides of the ball. And if we can just keep careful of the ball like usual, make sure we're actually ourselves in the foot like usual, and establish a solid running game, get four or five yards of carry, change a big play here or there. I don't see why the Rockets can't celebrate homecoming with a victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is pretty good. Now we get to your winners and losers for the week, and we cue up the music. Uh, uh, uh. Go ahead, David. All right, what is the losers? We're going to, of course, start off with the losers. And we touched a little bit about it last segment with Frank, the Detroit Lions. You have to, like, if you're a Lions fan, you have to say, hey, we got this kickoff return touchdown in an era of day and age where no one actually returns kickoffs anymore. It's kind of like a punch in the mouth. You keep Patrick Mahomes from being superhuman. And then you just kind of shoot yourself in the foot. You know, carry on Johnson in the goal line situation, fumble, you know, fourth and nine. You have Patrick Mahomes scramble for 30 when it's like, he's a weapon too. So, and going in that game, everyone was like, are they like really for real? They're undefeated, but are they really for real? And they have a chance to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, like, and like really keep them down to earth. And it was just, if I'm a Lions fan, I'm looking at this like, that's what, you know, gut punch heading into this week where you're going to carry the high little men. Like, yeah, we are the team that stopped packing my home and made them look human. So, yeah, it's the NFL, and hopefully they're able to clear out the cobweb and into this, this next Sunday. Um, another loser for me, and people are going to not know why. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're going to say, what? They dropped 55 on the LA Rams. Like, you, the reason I put them as a loser is you can't be that prolific of an offense the week after, like, being not so much in that, but it was basically Mike, James Winston to Mike Evans, James Winston to Mike Evans the entire game. And then you lose a shift shot field. Like, you can't drop 55 points. And have people not wondering, like, really? Really have a baby? And they, again, I shouldn't be surprised because they do this literally every year. There's one game where they drop 50 on a solid defense on the road, and you're just like, like where did this come from? And then everything's coming back down to earth. Everything's regressing. But it's just, you can't just be in that, this entire, like, leading up to this entire season and then drop 55 on the stars for the defense. Like, that's not how this league works. Like, I know it's any given Sunday, but that's not cool. Because now everyone is going to look look at Tampa Bay this week and, like, well, you drop 55 on the Rams. Like, why can't you drop, you know, 40 on the Saints? Why can't you drop, like, this many? And so it's going to be that blip is going to become their kind of expectation for Bruce Darius and everyone in the locker room is going to be, oh, we can put 55 every week. It's like, no, you're not the Patriots. You're not the Chiefs. 
So it's just going to become a flash in the pan that's going to make fans really overanalyze just how good this team is. Because they're not good, if we're going to be honest. Okay, continuing along with the questionable losers, I'm going to give it to the Browns. Like, yes, you beat, quote-unquote, beat the Baltimore Ravens. But again, it's similar to Tampa Bay. The week before, you're running draw plays on fourth and nine. You don't really have a quarterback that can do anything in the red zone, even though you have four chances at the five-yard line. You don't run the football. And then the next week, Nick Chubb's not here breaking 80, 85-yard runs like he's at Georgia. Like you're throwing the ball effectively and efficiently against a pretty good Ravens defense. And then we're saying, oh, you know, get off the hype train and sleep around their back. Like, for, in my mind, you're one and you're one and two because that went against the Jets of the cow. Like, just for the coming out. So it's like, are you really that good? We'll see this Monday night against San Francisco, but Browns fans, like, like this is not just a vision. Like, comp, comp, pump the brakes, deep breath. Like, you're not as good as you think you are. And Odell Beckham Jr., I kind of wish he had gotten, like, actually, like, I don't want to say that like this and make it seem like I wish ill will on him, but maybe him getting choked out would, like, get him motivated and hyped up and energized to, like, actually be a confident wide receiver and not just, you know, all talk and, like, put the production behind kind of his high-profile nature and persona personality. Switching over to the college game, that Michigan team, like, I don't, like, don't want to keep saying this every week, like, we don't know what Michigan is going to show up, but do we really know what Michigan is going to show up week to week? Because I don't know. Like, two weeks ago, you got the break speeding off for you. And then last week, it's like, eh, do we really count that as a victory? I mean, I guess in the record book, yes. Yeah. But, eh, not really. So, for me, if I'm looking at, if I'm in the Big Ten West, you know, if I'm like a team like Ohio State, if I'm a team like Penn State, even Michigan State, I'm like, hell, we can definitely dominate this Michigan team. All we got to do is get some pressure, and we don't need to keep talking about Shea Patterson because Shea Patterson. And then the final loser for this week has got to be North Carolina. And like I understand Mac Brown being gusty and saying, "Hey, you got to go for two and the win." Yeah, hey, I, I agree with them, but go ahead though. But like for me, if you had like I don't even want, but you know what? Let's say if you had Mister Trubisky back there, then yeah, go for two because you know even at least in college he was like able to throw the ball decently, and so like you don't have a Vince Young. Like, you didn't Texas in 05. You don't have, like, Colt McCoy. Like, you don't have the personnel to go for two in the win. Like, again, for me, like, as a head coach, I would definitely say go for two for the win. You know, at home, you don't want to get close in the ball back. But know your personnel, Zach. You have to know who you have on your sideline. And if you ain't got the personnel, go in overtime because your defense was actually playing good. Like, literally everyone was like, the defense is holding 
this Clemson offense with the stars of the, you know, the greatest quarterbacks and running, you know, sunshine running back. You got a running back that's the fastest leaper in college football, and you got three or four wide receivers that everyone thinks are going to go within the first two days of the NFL draft. Like, your defense is actually playing good. And so I think if I'm a player on the North Carolina defense, I'm like, Coach, you don't trust us in overtime? Like, we can get the stop. We can get the stop. But I think I've, most people would agree with next round. Like, go for the win, go for broke, and then we'll, we'll question it, whether it works or not in hindsight. Hey, you just got to know your personnel, Mac. Man, okay. So more yeah. losers than winners, huh? Yeah, there's only a couple winners. I just, I feel like, well, no, an additional loser before I forget. No, oh, okay. It's Houston Texans. Okay, why? You have, you, you're running trick plays with DeAndre Hopkins trying to do passes over the middle of the field. Like, your offense is looking more and more questionable and safety. And this has nothing to do with the fact that Deshaun Watson doesn't have an offensive line. It's that you have this wide-open playbook, and you're trying to get cute, and you're trying to get fancy rather than just put the ball in your playmaker's hands. You got a running back in Duke Johnson. You have one of the top three wide receivers in the league with DeAndre Hopkins. You know Deshaun Watson keeps getting hit like 19,000 times a game. Just do something quick. Get it to Kuti. Get it to... Will Fuller, get it to your tight ends. Like, get the ball out of Deshaun Watson's hand. And it's like every week I look at the Texans and I'm like, if I'm a Houston Texans fan, I'm wondering, no wonder our quarterback keeps getting, you know, pounded into the dirt. You keep having these long plays where everyone knows you're not going to throw a D. Because everyone's like, like, there are 14 guys on DeAndre Hopkins. Like, literally every play. And three of them are the referees. It's like you gotta know your personnel and know know that the way that like people have the book written on Deshaun Watson. So give him the ability to make plays and open up the playbook a little bit. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'd say I, I think Deshaun Watson is better than um than Traversky, but I mean, but then again, though, look what he works with though in Houston though too. He doesn't really have much of an offensive line. Hopefully, Houston gets smart and really puts some pieces around him because it'd really be interesting to see how great his career would really accelerate if he had better, a little bit better players. Yeah. And speaking of good players, as we transition over to the winner, right. my first winner is Adam Thielen because he has the cojones to say what literally everyone in America is thinking. What's that? Like, Kirk Cousins, you are trash. Oh, man. Like, like you I don't say that about like, the man. I mean, you have to just be honest. And, you know, you have a massive thing. That, you know, when you have these playmakers, even though I disagree that Dalvin Cook is you know, one of the best running backs in the league, he's getting there, but still got a ways to go. But, yeah, if you have two solid wide receivers and a pretty decent tight end, you know, getting a little older, but he's still a top five tight end in this league. Like, you got to get him the football. You got to feed him. This has nothing to do with touches. This has nothing to do with him getting his numbers up. This has everything to do with once you pay this man his money, he starts to regret. And literally, 
everyone can see it. Oh, that's true. And I, so, I, I, I get – well, but then again, though, he – the Bears' defense was playing well, dude. I mean, it, I mean, come on now. You like that? You like that? I mean, he's been trying to prove himself. And I understand, and I think what he was saying was, was that – I don't know if feeling was really uh, more or less – attacking him I think it was also the play calling they were that's what I had heard reports of was because during most of the season they have been running the ball mostly the Dalvin Cook and he's been really performing well Bears figured it out and basically stopped the run and then it forced him to really pass and I mean he he couldn't get no passes off I'm, I'm sorry I mean I saw the Bears game that Bears defense was all over him where there was no way he was going to be able to hit Thielen, who's going to be a basically a deep threat for the Minnesota Vikings. He was going to, it was basically going to force them either you're going to try to run the ball up against us, which we're going to pretty much stop, or you're only going to get dink and dunk us. And I think their one touchdown drive, that's what they had to resort to was dinking and dunking and screen passes. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, just dink and dunk it to Adam Thielen and Stephon Dick. And I think because you have those two who are both, Kind of when they get ball in space, they're dynamic. Mm-hmm. But you, again, and it may just be if you're, you know, offensive coordinator, two short plays. You know that he's not going to have time, especially against a team like the Bears, who you know they're coming with the blitz. They have a pretty good playmaker. You may have heard of him, Khalil Mack. Like he knows how to get to the quarterback, regardless of if you double or triple team him. And so that's up to both the play calling, but then. It's, if you're a quarterback, you need to know how to audible. If you can see that, hey, they're they're coming in hot, audible is something short, and just do a little quick swing pass. Get the ball out of your hands rather than sitting in the pocket, you know, five step drop, two or three seconds, next thing you know, there's four bears in your face. So a little bit of both ways, but yeah. I'm I'm probably about seeing the you know, calling calling out this quarterback. Right, right. Keep going. Continuing on to winter, speaking of quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph, Pittsburgh Steelers, finally getting out the snide. He was, again, we knew if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Steelers just gave it to James Conner, Jalen Samuels, Tink and Duck the entire game. It was like Mason Rudolph had like less, he literally had a handful of passes that went longer than 10 yards. And for me, if it's working, keep doing it. I don't. Granted, you know, he had a, did have a pretty long touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson. Shout out to Toledo. Well, a little, little bit of that showboaty, but, you know, selling the profiling, having to jump up in the air, and then, you know, slowly make his way into the end zone. But I don't blame him. He's a rocket. Go on with those style. But yeah, Steelers probably getting off the snide. This is more, oh, this is more to do with the Bengals being got off on the offensive line. And so maybe Marvin Lewis was looking back at the TV like, not my fault. I was, look at this dude. Like, look, look at what I had to work with. Yeah, but well, I, I, I don't know. I, you can't blame Dalton, but I mean, Marvin Lewis, I mean, it was time for him to go. I mean, he had been there so many years. And he had more. Ta- he had talented teams throughout his tenure at Cincinnati. They just couldn't get it done. Well, I mean, I'm kind of the way that the Zach Taylor era is starting off. Maybe, maybe get into those playoffs, like 
was an accomplishment. Maybe Jen made, made it with like an achievement in itself. Like no but, one knows. But making that there was a few years there where the Bengals made it to the playoffs. They probably could have made a pretty decent run to at least the conference championship. But they would always shoot themselves in the foot. Um, not taking anything away from Marvin. But, I mean, Zach Taylor's coming in. I mean, but then again, though, you also have to look at the organization as well. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, it starts uh, at the top. Yeah, it starts at the top. And, you know, Brown and that organization at Cincy, they've just been cheap. And it's just not been a winning. Another, it continue on with the winners. Speaking of cheap, well, I guess cheap in comparison to the NFL. Alabama finally jumping up to the number one team in the country again, mainly because Clemson had that scare. I guess, I guess, as we're looking at the early projections to the top four, I think Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma are the three locks. I mean, what can you say? The machine just. Just keeps chugging along. Nick Davis is doing his thing. Tua Tagovailoa is out there, just pulling up his numbers, left, right, and center. It's like, come on, man! It, it can't be this easy to just be in Alabama and know that every week you're either going to be number one or two of the country because you're not going to lose until January. Um, you know, outside of some weird freak game and that's two championships. But like, it's got to be good to be Alabama. And then the last, last winner for this week, we're going to shout out the Bears. And specifically, Khalil nice. Mack. Yeah, I mean, Khalil Mack is just amazing. I'm not going to, I guess I could give Trubisky some credit, maybe. But then again, it was How more of defense. Right. How does he get credit considering he was on the sideline after the first quarter with the, uh, the messed up shoulder? Well, I think that they've been, well, one, it saved him from getting the slack for not being able to actually like go out there and complete the game. And thankfully, Chicago Bears fans didn't give him the Jay Cutler treatment. Hey, you got to go back in there. It's like, no, I'm actually like legitimately hurt. But I think now... Are we going to see more of the running game? Are we going to see more trickeration? Because, like, do they make, like, do they pick up, you know, random Joe Schmo off the street? Like, I don't know who the Bears' backup is. And going into a rivalry game, well, Pearl Kilomack is a rivalry game heading into Oakland this week. So he's going to want to literally, like, take off Derek Carr's, like, head and call mm-hmm. and just swing it around and throw it in the black hole. So, like, is. Could this be a sign? Because Mr. Trubisky really wasn't playing all that well this season. So maybe another, maybe the backup comes in, gives them a little life offensively, jumpstarts this offense, gets the running game a little bit more involved, lets him sit, let Trubisky sit and work on his mechanics a little bit. Maybe this one's good for the man. Yeah, that could be. Any more uh, winners and losers? Well, that was it. Well, that was that was it for this week's edition of Plans and Losers and Winners, you know. Winners, congratulate, losers, be better tomorrow. Yeah, oh, yeah or or next weekend or what so much. The uh, loser also is that me and Frank didn't post on the uh 
in the NFL pickup. Totally, totally forgot on Sunday. I had a lot of games. I had to coach. I had to fill in for a coach. Uh, so you are a winner because you posted and we didn't. You probably have the lead, and we'll post that up on our after further review um, uh, Facebook page. But anyway, we'll take a we'll take a quick break and return. Talk fair to play. This will be an interesting topic for me and David because. I had some interesting uh, thoughts on that one. So we'll be back after this on 88.3 WGTs. After further review, make sure you always check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes as WGTs after further review with a picture of Frank Bashner and the horse's head. We'll be back after this. Mm-hmm. 